Hi everyone and welcome back to SGTV. This is part of our Job Roots for Electricians mini-series. So today we are talking to Rob Merrilees. So Rob, it's good to have you on the show. How are you doing? Yeah, all good, thank you. So as with this mini-series, we've got a variety of electricians on, all in various parts of the industry. Um, this is one of the things we want to sort of promote is we don't want people to think once you're qualified as an electrician, once you've done your basic qualifications, you just go and do, you know, your basic stuff, your domestics, that kind of thing. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but we want to sort of make people aware that there's a big, massive industry with lots of different options to go to. Um, so, so where are you? What's your position? Okay, so at the moment, I'm working for a company called Nicklin. Um, yeah. We are a big European company. Um, we do black box rental. So we rent lighting, audio, video trusts purely as a, a, a B2B. So we don't deal with end users. We just basically fulfill people's shortages. So um, at the moment, I'm in the UK. My official title is business development and my territories are Europe, Scandinavia and the Middle East. Yeah. But unfortunately, with the uh, the whole COVID thing, haven't been able to travel. So at the moment, I'm working out of the UK office and concentrating on basically rigging, truss and rigging. Yeah. Um, and then hopefully be able to get back out to Germany soon and, um, yeah, continue my role as business development. So it's for film, events, production, that kind of thing? It can be anything from an exhibition to a conference to a festival. Yeah, anything that involves basically like technical services. That's got to be pretty cool, though, being able to see all the different kind of events and productions that you get to go to. Well, at the moment, like we don't actually go to any of the events. So we basically get a list of people's shortages. We basically provide the equipment on a rental only basis, and it's up to the whoever's hiring to actually use our equipment, look after it and send it back. Oh, okay. But I did for, oh God, for, for about 25 years, I was on the road doing production as basically like um, a lighting technician. So um, my last big job was the, uh, the Olympic Games, 2012 London Games. Yeah. And then after that, I basically went into another aspect of, you know, electrical work, basically. Okay. So before we get into the ins and outs of that, um, I want to ask you sort of how you started out as an electrician, you know, right from the beginning. Was you an apprentice? Did you go through college or adult learning? How did it start for you? Yeah, so I left school not really knowing what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to get an apprenticeship. So I basically joined the company as a, an apprentice electrician. Um done for the first year i was on uh, block release and then years two three and four we done day release so i left college with an, uh, an approved electricians um basically my city and guilds yeah and then went contracting um and it's almost like oh my god you know like you you think you know everything but you know nothing um I was lucky enough, my first big project when I came out of being an apprentice was um, 
there was a huge big brewery installation in Reading for Courage. And I was lucky enough to get on that job. And I was one of just under 400 electricians on the job. It was the biggest site in Europe at the time. And I learned so much, you know, all the guys were journeyman electricians, all living in digs and fantastic experience. Um, yeah. I loved contracting, you know, and, and back in the day, if you finished on a Friday, you got to, you got to start with somebody else on the Monday. And um, it was just a great crack, great bunch of lads. Lots of people to learn off. Oh yeah, you you never stop learning, you know, and um, you have a good time and and obviously earn earn some good money. So it was, um, I wouldn't have missed it for the world, as they say. Yeah. And then, so how did you go from there to sort of getting into the event side of things? Well, I I started doing some work for the BBC in uh, Ealing Studios as a contractor, and we was there and looking after the studios. And I got friendly with the guys there and um, they offered me a job. So I started working for the, uh, the BBC as a studio technician. And don't get me wrong, it was, it was brilliant. The money was good. You know, like there was um, the BBC canteen, which was just <laughs> so heavily subsidized, it was untrue. Yeah. But after a while, I got so bored. Um, you know, the money was great, but the boredom factor was you, you set the stuff up, the cameraman was God, you maybe tweaked a couple of dimmers, moved a few lights, but it was just boring. Yeah. And um, I left there, and then when I left, I my gaffer, the, the, my boss, basically said to me, he goes, look, no one ever leaves the BBC unless you die. It's a job for life. But um, it just wasn't right. And then I got into exhibition lighting. So I was working for a company in, in London and we traveled the world doing lighting for exhibitions. I bet that was a nice step up from being in a position that you were feeling quite bored and unsatisfied with to them traveling around. It was great. Um, you know, I, I, I've been really, really lucky. I've got to travel the world, really. Um, I've been to some great places. I've been to some horrible places, but everything has been an experience. Um, yeah, and then I say like I, I progressed onto that, um, set up a company, just basically, and um, yeah, moved moved around and sort of ended up now where I'm working for a company that are probably one of the biggest rental companies in the world. Um, you know, the UK side of it is very small, but we've got the backing of a, a huge big group behind us. Yeah. Are you allowed to name drop any of the kind of festivals, gigs, that kind of thing? Pretty much everything that happens uh, in Europe and the UK, we would hopefully have an involvement in. So, you know, I, I've been lucky enough. I've done four Olympic Games. So three summer, one winter. Um, I've been involved in concerts, festivals, and you know, just coming up in August, there'd be obviously Reading, Leeds, Creamfields. So I would hope we would have some kit on all of those. Um, and then in, in Birmingham next year, there's Sports Day, 
So we're hoping to have a lot of equipment on the Commonwealth Games. But um, at the moment, it's just the companies that we work for, it's a tendering process. But, you know, that's going to be big for Birmingham. Yeah. It's going to be fantastic. So did you sort of naturally through the progression of just of working for the company you're at sort of phase off the tools and more into, you know, the management side of things? Yeah, I, I think I made a, a, a conscious decision after the London Olympics that, okay, it, it's time to sort of step back a little bit. Um, there's a limit, you know, like our industry is seven days a week, 24 hours a day. There's, there's no switch off from it at all. And, you know, I probably on an average year, I was peaking at around 50 flights a year. Wow. Um, you know, some of them were in and out within a couple of days. Um, but then you have projects that you're there for off and on for you know, a couple of months. So, you know, you're away from your family. Um, you're you're in, a, in a strange place. But the good times are, are great. The bad times you forget in a couple of weeks. Yeah. So, um, Did you ever think that from your initial points of getting your qualification um, that this would open as many doors as it has? No, I, I think as well with the, with the events industry, um, lots of the people that you work with, have, some of them might have gone through like a, doing a course at college or university. Most people are self-taught. Um, you know, so you'll get a guy who, who might be like a, a, a lampy, like a lighting guy. And lots of it is you're, you're self-taught. Now, going in with that basic knowledge of being an electrician actually escalates you to quite a high position. Because there's lots of people who can actually do it, but there's, it needs a responsible adult. So if you go in and you're on the crew and you're an electrician, people respect you for that. And lots of it's common sense, you know, like you'll, you'll have a, whereas most of the electricians watching this will be used to terminating into a big distribution board. Now, all our stuff is plug and play. So we have like a 400 amp distro with 72 way outlets. Everything is on a plug. But there needs to be someone who's controlling what's being plugged in. So if you're on a job and you're the mains guy, no one else is allowed to plug into your distro, only you. So you can make sure you've got a balanced load, you're not overloading the circuits, and you keep a record of what's being plugged into what channel so you can control it. And it's lots of basic things, you know. I hated college i i wasn't very good at maths at school and i can always remember my first week at college where you're doing electrical principles day in day out and it's just like oh my god i'm never going to get my head around this but it just it, it sinks in after a while yeah um and i'm sure your your viewers will appreciate most of the stuff you do at college you never ever use but being an electrician or a certified electrician definitely escalates you into event world. Yeah. I've got a question I want to ask, but I sort of want two perspectives on this answer. So I want to ask what a typical day would be like, but 
I, I know I want to ask it from when you were sort of on the tools doing the events and where you are now, because they're both still related to the industry. So if you could talk us through that, that'd be good. Yeah, so a, a typical day when you're basically on crew would be, you'd be lucky if you got an eight o'clock call on site. So you'd leave home, say, like half past six in the morning. You could be driving to Birmingham or central London or anywhere, but you'd always be there before eight o'clock. Now, a day is never eight till five. So an average day would be 12 hours, maybe sometimes pushing it to 14 hours. Um, if you're really pushed, you know, like all the guys out there, you know, you, you do a ghost up. 24 hours a day. Um, so you are working hard, but when you're working away from home, you don't have the pressures. So, you know, like lots of the guys, your viewers will have wife and kids at home. And there's a lot of pressure on you to actually, to get home, see the kids before they go to bed and, you know, say hi to the wife. When you're working away, you don't have those pressures. So even if you're working till, midnight you then have to go and get some food and some drink we don't have to have a drink but we all do <laughs> you've got it really when you're on that kind of lifestyle <laughs> yeah so you know um i know when we done the athens olympics we had 28 days of 18 hour days and you know you were surviving on frappe which is cold coffee mm. so you're just constantly buzzing um you miss, you miss your meals, and it gets to a point where, you know, I, I haven't had any food, I'll just have a couple of pints of Guinness. Um, <laughs> Plenty of but, wine in that. But honestly, I wouldn't change it for the world. It's been fantastic. Um, a typical day now is uh, my office warehouse uh, in the UK is probably seven miles from where I live. So get in around eight o'clock. Um, most of the day is, is basically taken up by talking to people, um, finding out what jobs are around, and then quoting the jobs. Um, as a company, we own, we own around 35 miles of truss, which truss is the, basically the, the, the stuff that's joined together on site, hangs from motors, and we fix your lights to. And we own around 30,000 moving lights, like intelligent lights. So there's probably nothing, no, there isn't an event that we can't do. But the small jobs with six lamps on and a few cables are equally as important. Yeah. You've touched briefly on sort of the, the setup, how you've got people in charge of the mains. Uh, and when you was at BBC, it was plug and play. But how does the, the setups that you're working with now or, you know, that you was working with previously differ to, let's say, your typical domestic install? Well, Obviously, a, a, a domestic or a commercial install is a permanent install. So it comes under completely different regulations. Um, all our installations are classed as a, a temporary installation. So, you know, like mechanical protection isn't as important. Um, the cable we use is slightly different. We use like an HO7 cable, which is very, very bomb proof. But we don't have to put it in trunking or on cable tray. You know, like we can lay the cable on the floor and then obviously with the trip hazard, we do cable ramps. But as opposed to a commercial installation where those cables will be terminated into a, into a fuse board, 
we just basically have um, like a 16 amp plug on the end of it, which goes into a 16 amp distro. So everything is, the cables are coiled up afterwards. Um, every cable we have would be marked up as like a one, two, three, five, 10, 15 meter with a color code. So it's coiled, it's taped, it's put back in the box. It's designed so, for sort of getting out quick, easy, that kind of thing. Yeah, and I say that we're very environmentally friendly where nothing is wasted. The only thing that's wasted is maybe a bit of electrical tape that you use to um, coil a cable up. Yeah. Does it vary when you're having to sort of go for DC if you're having to use generators or anything like that? No, a generator will have like a power lock output. So we will just run cables from the generator to a distribute distribution box and then distribute to like sub mains away from that. Okay. Um, I've, I've noticed when, when I've been at festivals, concerts and stuff, I noticed a lot of 110 volt cables and things going about. Is that quite a common thing or is it fairly? No, mixed? no. 110 is only used for building sites. So festivals will all be like 240 or three phase. Um, so, you, so you've mentioned about how when you were qualified, that sort of progressed you further because uh, there was people, what, uh, what did you say? There were lamp guys. Is that the correct term? Lamp a lampy. Lampy. Yeah. A lampy, yeah. So I'm guessing they're not qualified then, not qualified electricians. Um, no, most of them aren't. But you always get, obviously, a selection of guys that are, but most lampies aren't. Okay. So... From where you were qualified, your basic qualifications, was there any need to do sort of any additional qualifications to further progress you, or was it more just a natural progression in time in, in the company you work for? Yeah, well, every time they bring out some new regulations, it's up to you to actually go and do the, um, the course, like a three-day course, which is a multiple-choice exam, just so that when you are the guy who's signing off a job, you're actually qualified to do that. How do how do the regs differ though? Because we're we're always talking and listening to people talking about the 18th edition or this change or proposed changes. Uh, but like you said, a lot of the stuff that you're doing it's uh, mobile. So how does it vary? Lots of the stuff we do is common sense. To be honest with you, um, you know, like most electricians will basically test and inspect their, their job. And then you can get sort of like um, other organizations like the city and guilds where we'll come in and check. We're very much about common sense. So you have a responsible adult who's in charge of the mains and every man and his dog is, is not allowed to actually complicate that. So someone has a mains question, they come to you. You know, it might be the sound guys. Can we get a 32 amp free phase? And it's yes or no, you know. So we're always give the sound guys a separate main because it interferes with ours. And then they might want it broken down to a 13 amp system. So then we just adapt a 16 to 13 amp system. And now obviously we've got PowerCon and, and True One, you know, a, a, a whole different range of connectors. Yeah. You spoke briefly about the, the challenges of, you know, working away, being away from family, missing meals. Um, but what other, were there any pressures and challenges? So I take the Olympics, for example, if some lights go down when millions of people are watching, what sort of pressures does that bring? 
um, huge amount of pressures. Um, but to be honest with you, most of the events, even if they're live, sometimes have a delay. So a, a classic would be many, many years ago, there was a, a TV presenter called Terry Wogan. Yeah. And when I worked at the BBC, he used to make so many mistakes and swear, they actually had a 45 second delay that was basically going out so they could edit. Like a live um, edit kind of thing. <clears throat> yeah. So, you know, when you're at a live event and something goes wrong, you get over it. Yeah. You really do. And, you know, if, if you're on a project and like doors are opening at nine o'clock and people come in, no one knows who's walking through that door what it's supposed to look like. So, you know, that you've missed something or you haven't had time to do something. Honestly, no one knows. And um, yeah, we, we, we fly by the seat of our pants sometimes. Yeah, I bet without even realising it though, that's building your confidence, you know, just on a daily basis in case anything like that happens. Yeah, honestly, there's, there's nothing that you can't overcome. Um, and if you've got good guys around you, and you know, like the, the contracting guys will know as well that there's pressure and you have to get this done by a certain time. And you just do it, you muck in and do it. And you build a great camaraderie and you know what your, your fellow crew can do. So um, it makes life very, very interesting. What about highlights? I know you said traveling, that's good. That's definitely a, a highlight, with, even with its own drawbacks. What sort of career highlights have you had from doing this kind of thing? Um, I'd say like when, when it comes to that time and I have flashbacks, um, there's two jobs that will really stand out for me. I, I, I spent about 16 weeks in Beijing for the, uh, for the Olympics. And I loved every minute of it. We had good guys. We had some good locals who, who became good friends. We, we had something like 26 projects around Beijing. So we, we had a, a nice apartment, um, had a lady come in and cleaned up after us well at once a week, which was great. But every day was a challenge. Um, it was just great. And then the other one that is going to live in my memory forever, um, done a big project in Berlin. And we actually lived in Berlin and we rented a flat. And it was for um, a company called Deutsche Welle. It was a big German TV radio station. And um, there were three Brits on the crew, which was me, um, my business partner and another guy. And we just had the best time ever. The, the, the Germans were fantastic. We run all the technical elements of the show and that was going to live TV uh, every day. And we just had a really, really good time. Uh, and Berlin is still my favorite city in the world. It's, um, it's fantastic. We had um, a guy on the show previously called Bob Nozada. Um, I think he might've been on about Berlin, but it, very similar. He'd, he'd got to travel the world. I think he'd worked on the London 2012 Olympics as well. And it just amazes me that, you know, doing this qualification, becoming an electrician, just how far it can take you. And uh, it still amazes me today when I hear stories, you know, from people like yourselves. Um, 
so yeah I, I, I do hope this sort of is useful to people watching I hope it does inspire them to think wow if I get into that industry it's not just a, a one-trick pony it's a, you know so many avenues you could go down oh definitely and uh, you know as, as I said contracting was great I loved it but this is a whole new world to contracting you know it's like the guys that go on site and it's freezing cold and you're you're bending conduit in puddles and you know you've got a, a, a 30 minute tea break, which is a highlight of your day. But like in event world, most of the time we're working inside, there's proper facilities, you know, proper toilets, and it's just completely different. But um, both sides have their bonuses. Yeah. You met any uh, good performers, any rock stars, anything like that? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've met a few, but honestly, they're just, they're exactly the same as us, you know. They're just um, they've just been lucky. Some are prima donnas who yeah. won't give you the time of day, but most of them are just really lovely people and really appreciate what you do for them because yeah. makes them look good. Us, that's right. Yeah, yeah. we're we're um, we make them look good. Yeah. Um, so without getting you to sort of tell us, you know, how much you're on and anything like that, would you say, um, especially the the, the build up to where you are now, was that a financially rewarding position? Um, I think with contracting, you earn really, really good money. Um, I'd say most of my contracting career, I was working seven days a week. And there was an abundance of overtime. So the money you earn contracting, if you're prepared to put the, the work in, is as good as you'll get anywhere. Um, event work can be very sporadic so you know like you might have a really really busy month and then there might be downtime for a couple of weeks so when you're working you're earning good money but when you weigh that up over a year you know it's probably not a lot different to contracting mm. um, does that vary with the seasons yeah, if you're lucky enough to do lots of uh, concert touring and festival work, you know you're going to have a run from like May through to October. Um, but around sort of, you know, like January, February, March, you've got nothing. So, yeah, I say the good times are good and the bad times you just basically have to, have to subsidise. Yeah. Um, before we finish this episode, I want to ask if you've got any advice for any budding electricians or current electricians who are uh, you know, thinking about expanding their career or at least getting into the into this industry. I think if you are if you have an interest in events and an interest in like lighting or even like rigging or video, even just yeah, try and follow your dreams. You've got nothing to lose because at the end of the day, you've got that piece of paper to say that you're an electrician. And, you know, just recently with COVID, builders, electricians have done very, very well out of it. Um, our world has suffered horrendously. You know, we, we've had no backup from the government. We've had no backup from anybody. Um, because we haven't been made to shut down, we don't get any financial help. So, you know, like if it wasn't for furlough, we, we just, we'd all be out of work. And 
most people, most electricians and carpenters and tradesmen have been lucky enough to have a good run during COVID. But, you know, like we've really suffered for the last 16 months. And we were the first people to be shut down and we're going to be the last people back. So I'm optimistic come hopefully um, July the 19th, we can get back to a little bit of normality. And then every festival, every band, no matter who you are, are going to sell out because people are desperate to get a bit of entertainment. Yeah, I've, I've had so many concerts booked that I've been itching to go to and then they're postponed and postponed. So oh, yeah. we, we, we can't wait. And, you know, as much as I, I, I love watching England play, it is really annoying when you see 40,000 people celebrating and, you know, we can't open theatres and you can't do concerts. But hopefully, fingers crossed, we're, um, we're nearly at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, and, so um, that's that's another message for our viewers. Even if you're not thinking of getting into that side of the industry, support your uh, your local theatres and events and uh, concerts. Everything. Get involved. Yeah. Buy some tickets. Go see that show. You know, it's definitely. not just it's not just performers. It's it's people like Rob and his crew who are setting up and you know build building these events and lighting these events. It all it affects everyone, doesn't it? And it's really weird when you go to a concert now, and this, this might sound really sad, but yes, you're watching the band and listening to the music, but you're also looking at the lighting rig <laughs> yeah. and, and, and working stuff out. Um, it's, it, it's great. But I say the real message is that once you've got your, basically like your city and guilds, even if you took a couple of years out, you can still go back to it. And you're always going to be in demand because you put yourself out and, you've done the work. So um, there is more to life than uh, house bashing and, um, and building sites. Yeah. Right then, Rob, I want to thank you for coming on the show and sharing your story no with us today. I appreciate it. No so. problem. Honestly, if you've got any particular people that wanted a little bit more information or just want you to, to ping me a, an email or whatever, I'll be happy to answer any questions from... So it's r.merrilies at nicklin.de yeah and like i said earlier i hope anyone out there watching has found this useful found it inspirational hope it gives you some kind of insight into what you can do and um, not just going down the single path that you've chosen with many options out there so um there's also many more videos on this channel for this mini series so we've got industrial electricians commercial rail sorry railway everything so one to look out for all right. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks for watching. Please make sure you like, subscribe, hit the notification button below. And we'll see you next time.